Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. What's up, everybody, on the Collider podcast feed? Lots of uh, changes and news for you guys. So if you're listening to this, Look, here's how it goes. Movie Talk's pretty easy. Movie Talk, you got Movie Talk five days a week. You got Mailbag on Saturday and Sunday. And Afterthoughts, the Collider Afterthoughts with Jay Williams and Snelling. That is also on the Collider Movie Talk feed. Collider Heroes, you got that twice a week. John Schnepp breaking down everything in the latest and greatest in the world of comic book movies. Check that out. Two days a week. Make sure you subscribe to Collider Heroes. Collider Jedi Council. I am on that every week talking Star Wars. Go to the feed, Collider Jedi Council, and get that. Now, we also have my show, One-on-One with Christian Harloff. I have long-form interviews with people breaking it down and just having conversations about everything going on in their lives. Go and uh, check that feed out. But the two things I really want to talk to you guys about today are... Collider, uh, the Collider Factory. Collider Factory is something where we are, we put all these shows in there. And for you guys, if you're listening to them, we look at the downloads and we say, wait a minute, maybe eventually this thing can have its own feed. But right now, the three things, we have some great shows in there if you go to the Collider Factory. We have the Collider.com podcast by Matt Goldberg and Adam Chitwood. Um, the guys from Collider.com have give you their unique takes on the world of film and things going on inside of it. Collider Body Slam. Collider Body Slam is our wrestling podcast. John Roca, Aaron Turner, and special guests come in. Sometimes it's Jay Washington, it's myself, and we break down the world of what's going on in WWE, NXT, other things happening in the world of professional wrestling. That's a really fun show, and that's in Collider Factory. But the big news here, Collider Factory is now going to be the home of the Movie Trivia Schmodown. That's right, two days a week, our popular movie trivia show with a hint of the WWE aspect to it. That will be on the Collider Factory feed. Go there, and if you want to get it, do that. And after the, the show, the Schmodown Rundown, Frank Janish and Brad Gilmore will also now live in that feed. So make sure the Collider Factory is your destination for all those fun shows. Last time, Body Slam, Collider.com. The Schmodown and the Schmodown Rundown, all on the Collider Factory feed. It's a lot of fun stuff for you guys to digest on your work, on your ride to work or at the gym. Do it and let the English see you do it. That's from Braveheart. What's up, sweaties? Today we are going to talk about Avengers Infinity War. No spoilers on this episode. Then we're going to talk about Aquaman, CinemaCon, and then we're going to talk a little bit about HBO's Watchmen, a whole bunch more on Heroes. That's right. We're going to get into Heroes. We wrap it, baby. We're going to talk about Sweet Rabbits. You know what I'm saying? Because we love them. 
That's right. We love raccoons. What's up? It's episode 240. We got a full crew. We got Robert Meyer Burnett. It's good to be here. So we got Amy Dallin. Hello. We got Jay Washington I in the house. I am happy to be back. And we are going to get extra sweaty. We're going to talk about Avengers Infinity War. And I want to remind everybody who's on right now, watching us right now, episode 240, we're going to talk about Avengers Infinity War for about five minutes, maybe ten tops, non-spoilers, because we are doing an entire over an hour plus Heroes spoiler special. Rogue is freaking out about that hour, but you know it, son. We can't not talk about Avengers of anyone. Totally spoiler filled. All of us on the panel. We couldn't shut up about it for like twenty minutes just before the show. I was like, save that for the save that for the special. It's a spoiler special. It'll be coming up probably about thirty minutes after this show pops up at two in the afternoon. Wherever you are on the planet, it's going to show up a little bit after this episode. But stay tuned if you haven't seen. Avengers Infinity War, don't watch our spoiler because we're going to ruin all of it. We're going to speculate about all the things that could be happening in Avengers 4 because of Infinity War and all that type of stuff. So I don't want to ruin it for anybody. So let's just, in general, like it's really hard to talk about this in general anyway. <laughs> and believe me, Coy and Marquia had to do it like last week where we're like, let's kind of not talk about anything, but also talk about how much we loved it. Jay Washington, what did you think of it? Your general thoughts about Avengers Infinity War. I loved it being the culmination of 10 years worth of films. If you would have told me back in 2008 when they started doing Iron Man that I was going to get the Infinity Gauntlet and Thanos and what happened, I'd be like, whatever. Right? <laughs> I mean, whatever. Yeah. But you get the original, the original Avengers, then you get Age of Ultron, which was like, okay, I'm hoping. Right. You know, because we know what Ultron is. But then they say, no, we're doing Infinity War. You start seeing the shots and everything. You're like, okay. Trailers and still set photos are one thing, but then you see the movie and you're like, Oh my lord, Jesus, this is beautiful, right? Now, you've seen it three times, <laughs> I've already. seen it three times. Don't you blame me? This is no. my money, I do I'm, what I want with it. I'm all about that, <laughs> but I've seen it three times because, of course, as we watch it the first time, we watch the movie when we see it. Mm-hmm. The second and third time, now we're back to that point being very analytical. Oh, I saw that now, now I see that, I get that here and get that there. So, let me just tell you this I had an array of emotions, and all of them were good. For this film, so I loved it, and that was me trying my hardest not to say anything else that wasn't a spoiler. Well, you, so go to somebody you else. Succeeded. You know who else saw it three times? Amy <laughs> Dallin. But before we get to you, I want to mention this movie. If you didn't know this, this movie made two hundred and fifty-eight million dollars. Mostly this from weekend. me and Jay. I mean, yeah, just the two of us. Some repeat viewings and stuff, but two hundred two hundred and fifty-eight million domestically. It made six hundred and forty-one globally, and that's without China. So this movie, in the, just a couple of days has made almost a billion dollars. Now, I'm not going to rub it in for the DCFU, but it's like for 229 million domestic total for 17 weeks for Justice League. 229 Avengers opening weekend 258 million. It's it's you could see the disparity and why is that? Because Marvel took their time and they did everything right in developing their universe. So you had not only 10 years of these characters, not only 6 years of the development of Thanos. I mean, but every single one of their movies kind of wove into each other to make this giant operatic basic basically 18 19 movies now cinematic what do you think amy what were your thoughts avengers infinity war you've seen it three times uh, uh, yeah, maybe uh yes i uh, jay kind of nailed it on the the overall the the biggest takeaway is is just sort of to be in awe of what they accomplished i can't wait to dig into all the details there were things that i reacted differently to on different showings right. uh and the other like I am so fond of the experience I had watching this movie that I've been walking around for a week, uh, 
refusing to make any facial expression for fear that I might rob someone else of that experience. So that might tell you all you need to know about my reaction. Like, there are characters whose shirts I haven't worn for a week because I don't want anyone to suspect that I'm too excited. Like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And I know that it's ridiculous, but you know what's really fun? To love something this much. To be this excited about something. Uh, so, yeah, we can, we'll get into all the details on the spoiler special. That's right. It's very, it's very difficult to talk about these movies without, without spoilers. And let's get right over to Robert Meyer Burnett because he's known for no spoilers. So be careful, Robert. We're going to get into spoilers. <laughs> we know you want to talk about this movie. What can you say, having seen it twice now, about Avengers Infinity War? Well, I don't think that I felt... I was talking with you about when I was a young kid mm-hmm. and first having the experience of seeing what fantasy cinema, science fiction, horror, and fantasy cinema could do. And some memories of my young life were seeing like the skeleton fight at the end of Jason and the Argonauts. The first time I saw that on TV, I didn't know that that was possible. Like I'm watching this movie about these Greek heroes and then suddenly the, the fantasy elements would come out of left field. I'd never seen anything like that before. Right. And the sheer joy that I felt seeing living stop motion skeletons wielding swords. Uh, that was, and as you get older, you don't have those experiences anymore because right. you've seen it all. And I feel as a, I've probably seen 90% of the science fiction, fantasy, and horror movies made across the world over the last 100 years. Cause it, and I, you just don't feel giddy, and you don't have that sense of, of, of wonder because you've seen it all. Right. I felt that watching this movie. I, I felt the same, those same little triggers when I watched War of the Worlds for the first time or when I watched Planet of the Apes for the first time or, of course, when I saw Star Wars in the theater the first time. Right. When that Star Destroyer rumbled overhead, you're like, well, this movie, from the very beginning, I mean, it made me feel like I was that little kid discovering my love of science fiction, fantasy, and horror, and it's all, all of its myriad forms, for the very first time. And I think what that, what that says is you have a company, the MCU, under its Kevin Feige stewardship, overseen by Bob Iger, who runs Disney. Right. They, they have not, they've embraced what they're making, which is they're adapting comic books. You know, they're not trying to... I love Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight movies, but he was trying to elevate... He was trying to move the material into something else, which mm-hmm. it worked great. Sure. But, but what the MCU has done is they've gone back to their core business, which is let's look at why do comic books appeal to people? And yes, you're always going to get the kids going, well, you know, I don't <laughs> like what they did with Mandarin and Iron Man 3. Right. Look, they still have to adapt comic books. But I've never, ever seen something that made me feel when I was younger you'd get that anticipation for a giant crossover event. <laughs> for me, it was the JSA meeting the JLA once a year. Then it was Crisis on Infinite Earths or Secret Wars or later, you know, the Mutant Massacre or Inferno or later the Messiah War or sure. whatever, Civil War, whatever. Those, 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 when, they were, when they were good, the feeling of what it was like to get those issues of Crisis on Infinite Earths, right. I felt that way for the very first time watching a comic book movie that this is why I loved comic books in the first place. And they have successfully translated that feeling to the motion picture screen. Beautifully said. I, I want yeah. to follow that up. I, I, because what the Russo brothers, Marcus McFeely, Kevin Feige, that core team have done is they've taken the essence of these runs of all these characters and boiled that down. Not changed things, but they were like, what worked in this comic book run? What worked in this comic book run? What worked in Infinity Gauntlet? What worked in some of the other Mm -hmm. Thanos runs? We see so many direct takes 
and little changes and, and, and knob turns, but it worked. And the things that worked visually in those comics, they were like, that would be cool to see, take, and then visually used in the world of cinema. So, I mean, I feel like that's why I've got such high praise for this film, because not only is it an incredible movie, a standalone film that you don't have to have seen all the other movies to enjoy, it'll only make you want to see all the other movies. Mm. But if you did happen to see all the other films and you did also happen to read comic books. And in fact, a lot of the other comic books, if you watch our show Heroes, you've probably read a lot of these comic books. That's what's going to change everything for you. When you see Avengers Infinity War, it's literally, I think, the finest and greatest comic book movie ever made. It's literally, the bar has been set, not because it made so much money, it's because it took all of these incredibly disparate characters from all these different universes and was able to not only make the, their first encounters matter and mean something, but it also was able to take those storylines and transform those storylines into something new that I haven't seen yet. So if you did see Infinity War, I can't even, I can't even do these follow-up questions. I'm sorry, because it's like they themselves are spoilers. So we're going to move <laughs> forward because, hey, look, you're talking to all of us. We can't wait to talk. We're going to dive into that thing. You can't do it right now. So you know what we're diving into? Into the deep waters of Aquaman. Let's get into Aquaman. So can it save the DCFU is a big question. Clips premiered at CinemaCon <laughs> showcasing <laughs> footage of Black Manta, Ocean Master, and more. Uh, and, and, and so Jason Momoa is saying, look, Jason Momoa said recently, Justice League was like going to college, and everyone had to endure that together. Everybody together, was it was like an endurance test, and now he's on his own. So this whole movie is on his back, and he's ready for it. James Wan also stated that he's drawing from older action-adventure films, very much from the Spielberg Raiders, Indiana Jones films. I wouldn't be surprised if he, would, he wouldn't take a, a branch or two off of the twigs or the teeth of the Hydra from Jason and the Argonauts. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't looking at some of those Harryhausen movies, those action-adventure films, what worked about them. And what was that, that creative essence of not swashbuckler, you know, pirates and stuff like that. The idea of the, some people overuse that word swashbuckler and, and mispronounce it and see a guy with a friffy hat and be like, oh, I'll jump on a thing and flew. You know, it's like swashbuckling is more like Indiana Jones, like that kind of action mm. adventure, tight scenes running in another series of tight scenes where you're jumping from set piece to set piece to set piece. And I feel like that's what, that's what James Wan is after in what his his whole thing about Aquaman was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make the underwater Indiana Jones, and I'm all for it. So when I heard that, what what are your initial thoughts? Let's start with you, Amy. Well, he's been very consistent in describing that tone, uh, and the only thing I've been waiting on is like, I want to see this stuff. I want to see it come to fruition because it, it's interesting to hear that description over imagery of what we have of Aquaman so far because it's. It's tough to imagine exactly what that will look like, but I find it very encouraging that that's what he's going for. I think that sounds really fun. I think that sounds like a cool take on the character, and I, I still have a lot of excitement for this film. Definitely. I am, too. What do you think, Jay? I mean, from what, from what James Wan and Jason Momoa said at CinemaCon, what, what do you feel about it? I definitely have high hopes for it, but I will say, don't say it was like college. That was like freshman year of high school. For Justice League, and right. it's no offense to the it's no offense to the DC films. It's just that they put again the rush to put all these heroes together right. and not flush everything out. 
you that was the you had to learn how to deal with it that way. Right. And then to now go into the solo films as opposed to taking the solo films first, then do into the collaborative and go back into the next solo branch. Right. I am excited for it. James Wan has always also said it's going to be a darker type film. It's going to have a darker tone. He's made everybody at ease about the the talking and breathing underwater scenarios. Right. So I'm with Amy too. Give me a trailer. I don't want to have to wait till Comic-Con, which I feel like that's what we're going to have to wait Right. Till. I really believe we're going to have to wait to San Diego Comic-Con to finally get this trailer. And granted, yes, this film comes out December 20th, but get me anticipated. Get me excited. Right. Sony did that with Venom. You know, that's until October. Right. You know, and even with Avengers, we started getting it way early. We started getting teases, bits and pieces. People want to see something about this film. You want to put people's minds to rest and say, okay, they did it. We want a trailer now, not wait till June. Well, check it. I mean, well, July, actually. July, actually. I'm sorry. I, I'm willing to wait. Why am I willing to wait? I, I'm with you. I want to mm-hmm. see stuff immediately. I'm like, why do those CinemaCon people get to see stuff? Well, get, <laughs> I'm forgetting. I got to see some Aquaman stuff a year ago, like at Fair. San Diego Comic-Con last year. And what I saw was great. Mm-hmm. What I saw was really cool underwater, you know, man, people riding mantas and like some crazy big giant stuff. I saw Jason Momoa fighting some people in a like maybe it was a ship underwater. We, it's hard to tell where I was like as far as like, you know, we don't know. We're just seeing clips. But everything I saw was like, all right, I got a little flavor for what James Wan is trying to do. And it mm-hmm. looked interesting and different enough that I was intrigued. I mean, and this is coming off of like, you know, before I saw Just League, you know, we were seeing some Aquaman footage, you know, after, you know, I like to call it Franken League, um, you know, but it's like, look, it is Franken League. So it's yeah. sort of like, you know, you got Whedon, Snyder, and a bunch of creatures combined together screaming in hell. That's what Justice League is. It's like, um, did I want that to happen? Hell no. I wanted to enjoy Just League. But then you go back to years ago. When they announce, and we're doing, you know, all we're doing Justice League without having introduced the Flash, without having introduced Aquaman, mm-hmm. without having introduced Cyborg, barely having introduced Batman in a Batman v Superman film, and then you're running into Justice League. The whole idea of it, from a comic book fan, at least from my perspective, seemed backwards and weird. Did I trust Zack Snyder? I was like, look, he did a good job with Man of Steel. Hadn't seen BVS yet, but they announced all these films. I was like. Well, I guess that's the way the DC universe wants to run. They want to be like, we're going to go the opposite way of Marvel. We're going to, instead of trying to develop everything and then make an Avengers movie, we're going to make an Avengers movie and then throw the characters their own individual movies. I felt it was stupid, and I feel it's still stupid. I mean, you know, it didn't work. We saw Just League. It didn't work. And, in fact, because they didn't know what they were doing, they fumbled the ball. We don't even want to talk about Just League. I don't want to talk about it. But let's talk about, will Aquaman rise to the occasion like Wonder Woman did. What do you think? I, I, th- I think absolutely. As long as we don't see the kind of... Look, it, <laughs> these movies are not made in a vacuum. It's not like these exec- executives see a final cut or even a, a rough assembly and think to themselves, well, this isn't what I thought I was getting. Right, right. I mean, the, the, what, what Marvel Studios has proven is the synergistic relationship between a studio and a filmmaker works. Yep. You know, the... the, the Kevin Feige's choice, bringing the Russo brothers, bringing Taika Waititi, bringing James Gunn, these are not people that any other studios would have banked a $175 million franchise property on. Kevin Feige knows that a great director really doesn't matter how much money they're working with. A great director is a great director. Ryan Coogler makes Fruitville Fruitville Station, then he makes Creed. Creed, which is one of the great uh, uh, sequels to a movie, that uh, the Rocky franchise. Who would have thought it would have worked as good as it did? You're like, it's a no-brainer. If you think like Kevin Feige. But Warner Brothers has interfered corporately with Suicide Squad, with Batman v Superman, and especially with Justice League. If they allowed 
James Wan to make the film that he set out to make. Like, they've been seeing the dailies. They've been watching the development. Like you saw, like, they, they had great artwork. Dudes on Mantas. Great. I want to see that. Let him make his movie. That's how you, that's how you achieve that success when yeah. you work with filmmakers and not against them. Zack Snyder, in my mind, was thrown under a bus. Yeah. And, and not, not rightfully so. And I think that... Um, that this movie, look, if, they, if, they, if, if James Wan said he was making the romancing the stone of superhero <laughs> movies with this Aquaman film, I would have been like, great. Yep. I love romancing the stone. You know, those mid-80s action-adventure, comedy, fun. Uh, if it's The Rocketeer meets Raiders of the Lost Ark but underwater with a superhero, awesome. Yeah, not Jewel of the Nile romancing the stone. Right, not Jewel <laughs> of the Nile. <laughs> We're going way back, Machine Baby, deep cuts. But you know what? It all runs back. You know, Michael Douglas was like, "Let me be, Aunt, let me be Hank Pym." So I do. I, I want to say because we frequently praise uh, Marvel's approach to working with filmmakers. Like we haven't forgotten that there were rumors that Joss Whedon was getting frustrated on Age of Ultron because of interference. We haven't right. forgotten that right. we were all really sad when the Edgar Wright Ant Man didn't work out. But over time, they've had this track record where they didn't stop taking chances, and we don't know what happened in those rooms. And the way, like James Gunn commented on the Edgar Wright scenario, that like sometimes things just don't work out. Right. Uh, and we got an Ant-Man movie that most people are pretty happy with. And, like, it's it's all part of that. But they have to go in and make these decisions over and over again. And it's about, like, you can see the pattern over time. They didn't back away from hiring Taika because they weren't able to make it work with another really interesting outsider. Like, no, and, and look. Okay, that was just adding that. For the people no, who I think agree. that we've forgotten. But no, no, no we you, haven't. If, but if you watch things, like, I was really interested. There's been a lot of interviews with people like Tom Hiddleston. And I think even, maybe even Frosty. Clyde's Frosty asked him, like, what was the hardest? What were the hardest reshoots to do? And he talks about Dark World had the most reshoots. They were the hardest to do. And I'd heard that Alan Taylor did not work out. Alan Taylor was the director of Dark World. They brought him off of Thrones. That he did not work out as well as they would have hoped. Well, originally, didn't they have Patty Jenkins? Yeah, she left. She I mean, originally she to went do over to do Wonder Woman. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'm not saying that they're infallible. Sure. But they have a very specific way. Marvel has a specific way and a specific direction. And if you choose to work within that, that's a choice. That you have to make, but knowing that going in, you wind up with Guardians and you wind up with right. Thor Ragnarok. You wa- <laughs> wind up with Black Panther, and and those are d- directors and filmmakers that know exactly what they're being a part of. And I think, isn't that exciting? Don't you want to collaborate? You're collaborating with the studio the same way that you would collaborate with the people actually working on the film. And that kind of synergy and that kind of collaboration is new. Yes. And to that, and to that also, remember, Ava DuVernay was originally tapped to direct Black Panther. Right. She thought there was going to be too much studio interference and not be able to do her vision, right. which is why she passed it on to Ryan. Mm. But now look what she's doing. Now she's about to do New Gods. Right. So now the studios, I, I hope, you know, the studios are knowing other studios outside of Warner Brothers and whatnot who decide to produce these properties are like, okay, we have to give them the blueprint we want, but also let them have artistic license. I, I certainly hope so, Jay, because <clears throat> I'm, my concern about someone like James Wan, who did an incredible job world building with conjuring Mm -hmm. he's done so many he's taken that chance he was able to take a franchise which actually suffered this horrible situation with paul walker and and make an incredible movie out of that i mean Mm -hmm. i think that's probably the best fast and furious movie that's been made so far Come on, dude fast five represent what's up hey look i'm not talking about fast five i liked it but i think james wan's last film that he did with the fast furious is the best film but look i'm hoping that Sujahara, I don't even know who's in charge of the DC, you know, universe. I don't know what, you know, I'm just hoping like here's Walter, my question is like Hamada. can Walter Hamada, yeah. can um can this film along with Shazam and Wonder Woman undo the damage of Justice League 
and BVS. Can can this be staying within the actual framework of this still being a, a DCFU universe? Can it undo the damage that all these other films have done? Because obviously there was damage because otherwise Justice League would have made more money. Mm-hmm. Justice League wouldn't have been a box office bomb and would have, wouldn't have been like out uh, about faced by fans. Even like myself, having drank in the Kool-Aid, I saw it. I was like, it was fun to see all those characters interact with each other. And then a week later, I was like, but the movie sucked. So it's like literally sometimes you do need a week or so to process something when you see it. And that's the the, you know. When you're somebody who's making reviews, you have to, like, digest it. And that's why it's very important. I I don't like doing these gut punch, like, here, I love the movie, or this or that. With something like Infinity War, I was like, I walked out of the movie shell-shocked and was like, I got to see this movie again, and I got to see it as soon as possible. But, wow, I mean, fantastic film. So what what are you guys thinking? Aquaman comes out at the end of this year. Look, everyone is nervous about it. I think DC, above any and everyone, Warner Brothers, should be super nervous about this movie. So I don't know if they're giving the freedom to James Wan to make the film that he signed on to do, or if they're you know product placing, overmanaging him, doing reshoots. I mean, we know they're doing reshoots. He's done reshoots on every one of his other films. So I'm not worried about the reshoots. I'm my more more concerned about is like, are they going to keep interfering with everybody? What do you think, Jay? I think this is going to be their start over. Because Wonder Woman was the one that was super successful, and BVS has mixed emotions on people. But Man it made Steel, a lot of money. It made a lot of money. Right. Man of Steel reviewed a lot, high, well, very well with people. Some people didn't like it. But then you got to Justice League, like you said, everything kind of fell apart. You're holding everything on Wonder Woman 2, because we already know what this is. Patty Jenkins knows this universe, this world. She knows what she's doing. Aquaman, test screenings have proven positive, things like that. Shazam... That was the one that made people nervous from the casting of Zach Levi to say, how are you going to do this? But then people are saying, okay, it's possibly going to work. And now with something else we're going to talk about, another character possibly being the glue for all of these. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think this can be the step in the right direction for them as long as they don't rush to say, okay, here's Justice League 2. Well, you know, the problem is, is that Warner Brothers, everyone's always looking at what's making money now. Right. Everyone's going to look at this movie – the executive branch, everybody there at Warner Brothers is looking at this going, what What are we going to do? And they're they're second-guessing. They've second-guessed all of their movies. Right. You know, they keep second-guessing everything. You can't do that. You cannot... No one ever got successful in Hollywood by chasing a trend. You get successful in Hollywood by setting a trend. Mm -hmm. And and the, the Warner Brothers brass have been chasing after the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe since it began, when really they should be looking at what they did with Christopher Nolan's movies. Right. Yep. I mean, they should be going to Christopher Nolan's films, which did a great job. Batman Begins developed that character. Yes, it did. You know, and, and the Dark Knight developed a villain. In a way, the Dark Knight was kind of the Infinity War right. because it was all about the Joker. Mm-hmm. You, it was a Batman story, but you focused on this character. It was very, very interesting. And they, that was when they were making a billion dollars. The Dark yes. Knight mm-hmm. made a billion dollars yeah. because they allowed a filmmaker sort of carte blanche <laughs> Because he was, he would, he would make the prestige, you know, or then he would do, and he would make one. He he would go do Inception and make nine hundred million worldwide. Then he was able to do what he wanted to do, and it worked. 
You know, and there's and the, the lesson f- wasn't make movies that are just like Dark Knight. It was find interesting people with interesting takes and then yeah, back them up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Warner Brothers as a studio used to be great at that. And that's what, that was Stanley Kubrick's home studio. Yeah. Clint Eastwood's been there forever. You know, and, and that's what they should practice. I mean, they should... Well, that's been out of practice for over a decade. I mean, what were you going to say, Amy? Oh, I just, like, in terms of Aquaman specifically, this, this is basically reading the T-level leaves prediction. I, I could be way off here, but I find it encouraging that he's using the same language to describe his take on the film that he was when they started. Yes. Because that, yeah. to me, says, like, you know, if, if something was getting in his way and they'd asked him to turn it into something he didn't intend, he might be backing off of or subtly altering the right. way he talked about his film. And that isn't happening. So, like, I don't know how much that is to go on, but, but I find it encouraging that, like, that suggests that he came in saying, I want to do this, and that now we're, as we're approaching, like, maybe they've had issues with the technology to make sure that that vision is yep. as close as possible to what he wants. But those issues of can we execute according to that vision are very different from somebody asked me to change the vision in the middle after they already agreed to let me make the thing. And, and bring- that's what we complain about. And it doesn't sound like that's happening. Right. You bring up a really good point because, like, James Wan is a, is a filmmaker. He's a craftsman. He's, he, he, uh, he took on Aquaman because he's like, I wanted to challenge myself. They were, like, offering him a bunch of other films. He was like, let me do Aquaman, because that is a challenge. Yeah. It's the guy who talks to fish. He's like, I'm going to take that guy. I'm going to make him cool. I'm going to take <laughs> that guy, bring him into the Marianas Trench, and make him fight sea monsters. I'm going to take that guy and make him a badass swashbuckler. So I love that he took that personal challenge on, onto himself, and that's what he's doing, and that's the entire journey that he's been on. So sometimes when you're faced with, like, hundreds of millions of dollars that are on his back from other companies really better not screw up. That's a lot of pressure. And sometimes you just have to like let that pressure go off and be like, you you hired me to make this movie and that's the movie that I'm making. You got to stick to your guns. Now, I certainly hope that this movie is fantastic. I want it to be great. I got to ask this if. If Aquaman is a failure at, with critics and the box office, what does this mean? For the DCFU. Is it the end of the... I mean, they've already got Shazam happening. We've already got Wonder Woman 2. But if this movie, when it comes out, and I do believe that we'll, we will see a full trailer at San Diego Comic-Con, Marvel's not even there. Like, we're out, son. We don't have anything. Yeah. Why don't you hang... Go see Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out a week after Com- San Diego yeah. Comic-Con. So they don't even need to do a Hall H. They're like, we're done. They're not going to show us any. we got a year to wait for Infinity War 2 or whatever the hell it's going to be, Avengers 4. So we have a whole year to wait. We've got Am and the Wasp and Captain Marvel. They're like, they're fine. We're good. DC can swoop in at San Diego Comic-Con right now. This is the swoop. This can be the thing. This can be the flip. They could show Aquaman. They could show a trailer for Shazam. They could show clips from Wonder Woman Mm -hmm. 2. They could show clips from maybe stuff we don't even know about yet, like Batgirl production art. We could see clips from all these things that they've been talking about. Whatever 8 million Suicide Squad movies. Who knows how many Harley films. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with the DCFU, but I would like them to course correct their shit immediately. Because it's screwed up. It's messed up. They've talked about 50 different movies. I've kind of given up. I do care about Aquaman. I do care about seeing Shazam and Wonder Woman 2. But that's it. I'm sort of like, I don't really care anymore. And that's me as a grizzled old fan who's been screwed over one too many times. I still buy DC Comics because that's different. I've got writers and artists. They know how to tell stories. So I'm like, the, the, the cinematic universe to me is like, it's done. But can it be saved by Aquaman? I think it can. Can it be saved by Shazam and Wonder Woman 2? 
I think it can. Can someone who's coming in a little bit later, we'll talk about that in a minute, but Jay, what do you think? I mean, if this movie's a box office bomb and critics hate it, if it gets like a 17 on Rotten Tomatoes, everybody's killing Waterman. They're like, this is bullshit. What, what happens to the... Shazam Entourage was one? right. I, yeah, they should have got James Cameron. What do you think? I think you're going to have a hard time bringing people back for anything, even Wonder Woman 2. You're going to have though, that core fan base is going to go see Wonder Woman 2, but not under that, we're going to build to this, if that makes sense. Yep. You're going to lose that. If, if Aquaman bombs, Shazam will bomb. Because people are like, I don't, I don't, I've, I've given them too much. Right. And they keep letting me down. Right. Wonder Woman's going to get the, 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 the base box office that she has no matter what because the film, the first film was dope. The introduction of her in BVS was amazing. Wonder Woman's going to be okay, but then you're going into Suicide Squad right. to Gotham City Sirens, a Harley and Joker. Nobody's going to care because, right. again, Suicide Squad 1 was a disappointment. So why should I be excited, excited about two that's supposed to be in this universe, this whole big ensemble, when the next movie you bring out, the first movie you bring out in the solo excuse me, the solo end of it is horrible. I can't trust anything else. You can tell me you have all these fabulous right. directors. You can show me an amazing trailer. Because Suicide Squad did that. <laughs> Justice League did that. But then yeah. everything lies on the back right now of Aquaman more so than anything else. Luckily, J- Jason Momoa has really broad shoulders. So he's like, look, I can carry this. That's what he was saying. And he was like, look, we all had to endure Justice League. This is my movie. It's on look, me. So, I've, but he's I've ready said for this it. about him. Jason Momoa is not directly playing uh, Aquaman. Jason Momoa is playing Jason Momoa playing Aquaman, okay? He is being himself, underwater, chucking beers, throwing tomahawks, okay? Uh, That's what I want to (laughs) see. But But look, uh, I I get you, though. You know, it's Birds of Prey and Batgirl. Those are the same. They hired this writer. They hired a director for Birds of Prey. So those are the movies that are moving forward with Margot Robbie. But I'm sorry, not yet. I got to see Sirens. Yeah, for sure. But like, because they keep changing everything. So it makes way more sense. Like if it's a Harley focused movie, it ought to be Sirens. But I'm very happy for Birds Birds of Prey. Prey. Like I'm just going to give you a pass. But it makes me seriously wonder. I seriously wonder if like, yeah, we've got the writer. We've got the director. We've got some concept artists doing stuff. Everybody, they're not pulling triggers yet. That movie's not going to start shooting in May, no. in June, in October, in December. They say it's going to, but I don't think it's going to. I don't think they'll start production on Birds of Prey until Aquaman comes out. Because I don't think that Margot Robbie wants to run her career doing another Harley Quinn movie if this movie itself is a failure. If the whole DCFU is just continually imploding all these other people are not going to go for the ride where they're like, I got two more years to be yep. Harley Quinn on this thing. I would worry about it. So that's my, my concern is like, and I don't want this. I want all of the, what I'm saying to be completely wrong. Mm-hmm. I want Aquaman to be incredible and be like, I can't believe that it's the Indiana Jones underwater. What do you think if it's a failure? What should DC do? I imagine that if it doesn't work out, it will, like, in in the same way that Green Lantern didn't launch the DC Universe the way they wanted it to, uh, Aquaman, if it's not successful, I would imagine that there'll be sort of a retraction, like, they might keep developing Batverse films, but they won't interact with Wonder Woman. They might keep interacting Wonder Woman films, or making them, and they, they better, uh, like... But they will. It'll be a Wonder Woman verse, right. and it'll be in that okay. way more like old school comics, where it's sort of like it would. It's it's it was new and notable when they met each other. Like it'll take time if that if that happens, and then eventually someone will say we're trying again. Like they'll they'll finish out Gal Gadot's run. Like it'll just take longer for us to get that vision. I think. Right. Depressing. I don't want that Hopefully happen. that doesn't happen. What do you think, Robert? Look, everything. You're only as good as your last movie. That's what they say in Hollywood. The DC. 
FU, the DC Cinematic Universe, the DC Extended Universe, right. whatever it's called, whatever they want to call it, is again only as good as its last film. If Wonder Woman was the last movie, we would be deliriously excited for Aquaman to come mm-hmm. out. The idea right. would not be that we wonder if Aquaman will be good or not. It would just be like, we can't wait for right. it to add to the tapestry of, of the DC Universe. But we got Justice League instead. Right. And I think if Aquaman is great, we're going to be waiting for the next Aquaman. And we know Wonder Woman 2 is coming down the pike. You know, we know, set in the 80s, by the way, I mean, somebody should cut a Wonder Woman 2 trailer to Duran Duran's song, The Chauffeur, that's mm. off the end of their 1982 album, Hell Rio. Yeah. They should try that. But anyway, <laughs> I, I just think that it, it, it's something that, that, again, we're excited for Wonder Woman 2. That's not going to diminish. Right. If Aquaman is good, that means you have a pantheon now of movies that are good. You've got Wonder Woman 1 and 2. You've got Aquaman. You've got, essentially, Man of Steel as well. Mm-hmm. That's four films. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's great. If Shazam works, we got five. I mean, unite the seven, right, guys? We'll see what happens. <laughs> comic book pull list is next. Let's get into some comic books because we love talking about comic books. There's Wonder Woman holding a bunch of comic books. Um, let's get right into it. So number five, we got Xerxes. Number two by Frank Miller. Tag and Bink were here by Kevin Rubio and Lucas Morangan. Shout out to Lucas Morangan. He's the illustrator for my Death Clock comic from Dark Horse. Check that out. You can get it on eBay. Uh, number three, we've got Captain America 701 by Mark Wade, J.G. Jones, Adam Hughes, Leonardo Romero. That's right. It's Mark Wade doing a bang-up job with a bunch of different cool artists. Number two, we've got Batman number 46 by Tom King and Tony S. Daniel. And number one, we've got Avengers number one by Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis. Let's talk about this list. What, 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 what do you guys think about that list right there? Which, which, which ones are you most excited to read? I want to see Batman 46 because I like the fact Booster Gold messed up everything. <laughs> I just want to, see, I want to see how they fix this. But, and plus, I'm a Booster Gold fan just because of what he does and him being a hero for hire for real. Like, right. I'm not saving nothing till you pay me. So I want to see how that interacts, especially with the whole Batman's Catwoman wedding and everything, how that goes. So I'm definitely interested in that one. Definitely. How about you, Amy? Uh, I mean, the the new Avengers run, I'm so excited for. Yeah. Uh, it is a small miracle that they managed to make that timing work out, so it's a time that people might be excited about Avengers comics. Uh, the Star Wars Tag and Bink, those are two of my favorite characters of all time. Right. They're from uh, Tag and Bink are Dead was the first one I read with them. I think it was the first one they did. And it's, if you know the film, which you should watch, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead. It's based on a play. Uh, it's really wonderful. It's about the side characters in Hamlet. Uh, and Tag and Bink are Dead is about two hapless stormtroopers, like, just in the background, like... Who hit his head on the door? Guess what? Uh, it, it like it, it's it's just one of my favorite things, and I love that that's I, either being reprinted or it's a new one. I'm not sure. This is uh, a collection, and then nice. I I believe that Tag and Bank might be making an appearance in Solo. Oh my god! I'm, like, I'm pretty sure. So what, yeah. Are you Ro- kidding? Yeah, this is yes. Solo. So, well, yeah. <laughs> Ron, oh my god. Ron Howard could, Opie confirmed it. That's right, Rubio. <laughs> Rubio, you got your characters in a movie. What's up? I have to say, I have Opie, please. Um, if you're checking out Xerxes, I want to recommend Jess Nevins is a comic book historian. He's done tons of annotations on Alan Moore stuff. He's doing historical notes um, oh. with the idea that he's like, look, this is a thing. Of course, he's going to change stuff. But if you're curious, here's the deal with Spartans. Here's the deal right. with ancient history. Jess Nevins. And I th- thanks you for mentioning that because I thought Xerxes 
Rocky's number one was really well done. And, like, I think it's a cool thing to see the return of Frank Miller. Like, he's been working with Brian Azzarello. It's like, you know, as a bunch of other people, like, he's not doing full scripts. He's been recovering from certain things, and he's back. And that's what's so cool about Xerxes is the return of some, a master, a modern master. He's the guy that did The Dark Knight Returns. This, he's the guy who the three, did 300, if you saw that movie. So this is Xerxes. But it's definitely a different take on it. So I, that's why I suggest it. What do you think? Well, I have to say that uh, it's great to see Tag and Bink back on the shelves because I'm actually in it. Oh, right on. And when I say I'm in it, one of the characters, because it was something I suggested to Kevin Rubio, I play Manny Manuel Bothhens. Oh, nice. Who oh, is, my God. Who is Mon Mothma's lover. When she says in Return of the Jedi, many Bothans died to bring us this information, she didn't say many Bothans. She said Manny Bothans, her boyfriend. <laughs> it was her boyfriend, and that was a joke that... <laughs> Ruby and I, Brian Singer actually had come up with. And so he had me send a picture to Lewis, the, the artist, who drew me in. And you see a picture of me. As, awesome. Oh, my God. That is that hilarious. Amazing. Uh, Even with, more of a reason to buy which it. Which is pretty funny. That's amazing. <laughs> um, so, yes. And, and, but also, Avengers, one I can't wait for. And I loved Xerxes, so I can't. Like you said, Return of a Modern Master. Yeah, for me, like that's why I put Avengers number one at number one because Jason Aaron, after recently, I mean, he's written a ton of Star Wars as well, mm-hmm. but I mean, his Thor run is is now goes up in that pantheon right next to Walt Simonson. He's doing it, and that's like every issue. It's like fun to experience someone who's going to become in twenty years. Like you got to read that run. He's that guy right yeah. now yeah. doing it. So I feel like. I want to see what he does with all of the Avengers because his take on Thor and what he was able to do and just scooping up different characters that I hadn't seen in a while and then using them properly and in a new way. So I'm all in. I love Ed McGinnis. So I think that that's kind of a cool thing to have that team kind of refreshed in that way. They're calling it the fresh start thing. It reminds me of some weird grocery store. Whatever. <laughs> they had to come up with some term. So uh, the fresh start. You, ah, it's a fresh start. But at, fresh least they're getting, at least they're getting the creators. That is true. That up. No, that's what the fresh starts working for me, man. That's what I'm talking I mean, about. Mark Wade's been writing the Avengers for several years. It's not like they were in a garbage heap. Well, it's but true. But I'm very yes. excited about Jason Aaron. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's like when Bendis was like, "Look, man, I'm on Superman, but check out all, all these other things." It's not like they exactly. were sucking. Right. Yes. right. They were already on a, like a high note. I'm just coming in to like scrimp off of it and like trying to do some <laughs> other stuff. Speaking of stuff, trades and hardcovers. Let's talk about that. Punisher Garth Ennis's hardcover run, his omnibus number one. Highly suggest that. Reborn by Greg Capullo and Jim Starlin, A Life in Words and Pictures. So if, let's talk about Jim Starlin for a minute. If you love Thanos, one of, the, one of my things is like, look, I love seeing the Avengers created by Stanley and Jack Kirby in big, bold letters as every single comic book movie should have those credits. Whoever wrote and directed and created those characters should be burned into the film. Big names. That's what I want. That's what every single comic book creator should have. Mm-hmm. If you're making something based off their goddamn comic book, give them that credit. Um, and I think, thankfully, Marvel is doing that in a big way. Not only that, but then they end the credits. If you watch all those credits, they also give credit to Thanos, Gamora, created by yep. Jim Starlin. They give creator by credits to every single one of those characters that was created by many different people. And then acknowledgments to all the different writers and artists. Another separate little box there where you're like, I mean, it went by so many times. Even the second I haven't been able to, like, I'm going to have to just buy the book that has the credits in there. There was, was a like, well, single line about Jim Starlin, though. The yes, the, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that was yeah. so great. That's what I mean. Contributions to the film. He, yeah. got, he got to come to the premiere. I mean, Grant, I, like, Last week I was saying, look, Marvel is not shipping him his own books. He had to buy his own book on Amazon. But at least Marvel proper in different ways doing certain things. Like, look, dude, you created Thanos. It's like, 
you're coming to the premiere. Look at all the words that you've written that are translated in this movie. It's yeah. cinematically, that's your character come to life. Uh, literally, I mean, like, Starlin was, like, kind of, like, if you follow him on any of the social medias, he was like, I can't even speak. He was, like, jaw drop, <laughs> walking around, like, oh, you know. So, and as well, he should be. So I wanted to say a special shout-out, if you don't know who Jim Starlin is, not only is he the creator of Thanos, he's written incredible, amazing runs on tons of comic books, Captain Marvel, you name it, he's been on it. He's a fantastic creator and writer, so I want to give him special props. What else do you think? I mean, Garth Ennis, super amazing writer, especially when it comes to violence, especially when it comes to Punisher and all that flavor. That's me. That's me. Give me violence. Give me all the violence. (laughs) Give me violence in cartoon form that feels so realistic that it pulls you in. That's what I'm here for, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) That's what I mean. To be honest with you, that's what when, uh, when Netflix did that Punisher run, with the very first, the second season of Daredevil, those four issues, as I like to call them, those episodes were fantastic. I mean, they were like, that's the Punisher that I've been reading my whole, whole life, life as a kid. <laughs> Granted, you know, when he was the first in Spider Man and stuff like that, when I was a little kid, he was a different Punisher. But once I was in high school, when they did the Mike Zeck Punisher and then they ran into the Claus Jansen Punisher, and then in college, we started getting this kind of Punisher mm-hmm. for myself. What do you think, Amy? What comes off to you with these trades and hard? I mean, it's a great list. I'm so glad that Jim Starlin is getting spotlight for his amazing contributions. Uh, Reborn might be worth checking out if, like, we don't know what's going to come of this Miller World Netflix deal. Right. But Mark Miller now has spent the last several years just doing self-contained stories with the best artists in the work. Yes. Uh, so, like, it's it's always worth taking a look. Yeah, I didn't mean to leave out Mark Miller's name. I just was like, oh, Greg Capullo, the artwork in Reborn is stunning. Mm. What do you think? Another book, comic book shopping, I was able to be turned on to was Reborn. Um, Look, I love Jim Starlin. One of the things that got me reading comics again when I started buying them in, what, junior high school was Dreadstar. Yes. You know, his Metamorphosis Odyssey. And the Lord High Papal, the the villain, is very Thanos. Very Thanos-inspired, you know, and and Syzygy Darklock and all those characters. I I love – that's how I discovered Starlin's work. And then that led me back to Thanos. But – I'm a huge Jim Starlin fan, so I, you know, I'm overjoyed for him and to see that he's going to get more. You're going to read his books now. Yeah, Jim Starlin. Definitely tr- check out Dreadstar. Get number one now. You can get it pretty cheap on eBay because that's already being developed as a TV series or a movie. They can't decide. We've been talking about it for years. Maybe now that Avengers has absorbed all that money, people are like, mm, this Jim Starlin guy, maybe we should maybe take a second look at this Dreadstar. Yeah, duh. <laughs> duh. Let's get into Minor Mutations. Starting off with Patty Jenkins. That's right. Patty Jenkins confirms that Wonder Woman 2 is going to be set in the 80s, like Robert was talking about. Maybe we'll have a Duran Duran soundtrack, <laughs> get some Flock of Seagulls, talking about the Human League. I want all of it. Wonder so, Woman I mean, sells Sanctuary. Yes. I would love to see that. Get some cult in there, baby. So what do you guys think? <laughs> um, Wonder Woman set in the 80s. Okay? It's, go- it's going to be nice to see the transition from time frames we saw in Wonder Woman 1 to now watching her in the 80s. Right. And to see her interactions with people, because now she's more acclimated with the real world she's been around almost 50 years now since world war one to now so she sees people now but now to see how she interacts with the 1980s and then don't forget we're getting Kristen wig as cheetah right <laughs> so that's going to be interesting as well so i'm i'm excited for it are we going to get any scenes is it going to be like them walking out of 16 candles or a couple years later walking out of the breakfast, breakfast club? club if it's the breakfast club, i mean because that's a little that's mid 80s so i don't know I how i want to hear her say <laughs> Why did they go to detention again? Like, uh, like I want to see that too. I want to see them. 
I want to see, uh, you know, sometimes I, referencing it. stuff doesn't work, but as in certain films, you'll see referencing does work. So what do you think? Look, if I had, if I controlled the universe uh, with, let's say, infinite power, um, there'd be a Wonder Woman <laughs> film for every decade. Uh, so in that, yeah. like, but I know that the general audiences would not go with me. Twenties Wonder Woman, thirties Wonder Woman, forties Wonder Woman. Like I know that that is beyond reach. So I'm content instead to just trust Patty Jenkins uh, and and get really excited about whatever it is that we're getting. And there's obviously there's a ton of amazing thematic material with the Soviet Union. Shout out again to George Perez's run uh, to to check out one attempt at very topical '80s stuff. Uh, I'm excited. I want to see Diana go full-on early goth. We're talking Catherine Deneuve and The Hunger, which just <laughs> celebrated its 35th anniversary. I want her to do, go to goth clubs. I want her to listen to, like, Bauhaus and, you know, Tones on Tail and, and Christian Death and, you know, all the great... That's what I want to see. Oh, yeah. and, I, and, and she's, you know, she's, look, she's looking for historical artifacts, so it's brought her back to the Renaissance or whatever. Maybe she meets a vampire. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe she runs into Lestat. Who knows? Is she holding a hammer to break that wall? Uh, West Germany, East Germany. Is she the first one to break she's that the one That's a little the later in the 80s, but yes. I mean, I would I love to see. I don't know where the 80s is going to be. The, the music, the musical identity MTV, of this movie MTV. could be incredible. Yeah, MTV, you got MTV. Right? I want her to be full on goth. <laughs> hanging out with Sting. It's, it's limitless. We'll see what Patty Jenkins is going to do. But uh, let's talk about glass. That's right. Glass as in unbreakable glass. So footage from Shyamalan's uh, movie that he's made, like, miraculously. I don't know if you all saw Unbreakable, like, 20 years ago or whatever. And it was like, I know it ended with the freeze frame. That was one of my things. Like, what the hell? Then they spent years in prison or whatever. But the, he's been talking about, I've got an Unbreakable too. He's been talking about, it. it's in my back pocket. You know, his movie started to suck. He had to take a break. Came back with a visit, which I thought was really strong. And Split was fun. I didn't love Split, but what the greatest part of Split was was that secret ending. Sorry, it's been out for over a year. I'm going to spoil it for you. Unbreakable. Bruce Willis was hanging out. Roka's freaking out. He didn't know that. Sorry, I just ruined it for you, Roka. No, Roka saw it. Um, so, So he basically was saying, look, Split is part of the Unbreakable universe. And that, because Split was such a big hit, that allowed him to make the sequel that he's been promising or threatening for years, Unbreakable 2, which is now called Glass, which is the return of Samuel L. Jackson, the return of Bruce Willis, and James McAvoy as the beast or whatever character he is. The at Horde. The, 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 what is it? The Horde. The horde right, yeah. the Horde. Um, I got to say, I mean, for the realistic superhero movies, like this is a realistic superhero. It's like, I get it. It's realistic, but it's not. It's not really realistic. It's like it's just there's no other superheroes. It's comic book art and comic books. Glass is a big collector of it. What do you think? So here we go. We got glasses. CinemaCon screenings are going on. We're probably going to see a trailer for Glass in the next couple of weeks. Robert, what are your thoughts on Glass? I can't wait. Like, you know, Unbreakable, it wasn't until I saw it like the third time that I really started to love it just because it wasn't what I was expecting. And right. I thought it was a little little different than I thought, but I, I really enjoyed what he was trying to do. And I really liked Split a lot. Mm-hmm. I had no clue what was happening. Again, like Infinity War, I knew nothing going in, which is one of the joys of it. Right. I knew nothing going into Split, I, even though I saw it a week when it was... When you heard the tinkle of the Unbreakable theme, mm. I was like, is that... I literally was like, is that the Unbreakable theme? Wow. And, and it never dawned on me until I'm, oh, my God, there's the camera panning across the diner countertop, right. and it lands on Bruce Willis. I'm like, what? You know, I, yeah. I was so stoked when that happened. I'm like, that's ballsy. I love that we live in a world where that kind of stuff happens. That's I got to say, that was one of the, more, the most exciting parts of the entire movie. Myself, I, you know, like... 
When you see the movie, when you see, if you've seen Split, it's those two old ladies doddering about and arguing. I was like, can you get better actresses? I'm sorry if you're one of those actresses watching Heroes. The old lady's a sweaty. She's like, oh, you, like, you can personally email me and we'll talk about it. But what I'm saying is, like, I was split down the middle with that movie. Certain <laughs> parts of it I love. Certain parts of it I was like, what the hell is going Come on? Come on, Betty Buckley. No. Seeing <laughs> Betty Buckley. <laughs> Yeah, come on, problems, Betty man. Buckley from Eight is Enough, the the gym teacher from <laughs> Carrie who gets who gets cut in half by the falling down basketball backboard yeah. from Carrie, man. Yeah. She was she was sympathetic to Carrie White's plight. Yep. She gets cut in half and she was in. I was so bored. Split. It was so good. Yeah. <laughs> Bo- near yawning fits, but. I love the ending, so now we're getting glass, ain't he? What do you think? I have missed out on this uh, this franchise. I, oh, I, yeah? I need to sit down with it, but I love that uh, it is sort of proving that superheroes may have come out of comics, but you can do them in other formats, and then you can take advantage of, like, it's so cool that he's like, no one can stop me from making my own interconnected comic book <laughs> right? universe. That's... That's pretty cool. And he snuck like, it in. Like, I want to know. He snuck it in real like, long. Yeah. Like, did he tell Jason Blum? Did he like, hey, dude, you know what? I thought I was going to. I know I made this movie about this multiple personality guy, but I kind of want to make it a, you know, a sequel to a movie from a different studio. <laughs> I, think, I think he didn't sneak it in. I think that was part of the whole sales package. It was like, Blum was like, here's the money, dude. You do whatever you want, Shyamalama Ding Dong. I'm in. I want to see, see that unbreakable glass thing. I know, I know what you're doing, dude. Blum is smart. When he, when he heard that, when that, that was in the script, that's your twist ending, son. How much do you need? You need, five, you need 10 or 15 million. I, you, you, you know you what? Here, just in case. Take yeah. 17 and a half. Yeah, 17 and a half. And another gamble that paid off. It was yes. a, but it was Split a, was a huge gamble for, for them, and it paid off. I mean, not a total gamble. It wasn't a total but, gamble. Why? Because James McAvoy, those trailers alone were like, yo, McAvoy is on point playing these different characters. Mm-hmm. Why? Because James McAvoy, when, when put in a good film with a good script, can kill it. He yeah. can deliver. Yeah. He's been in some poopy films, but the films that he's in that are great, it's because he's he's delivering. He's so, so good. Yeah, he's a movie star. I'm I'm just excited to see Samuel L. Jackson's hair again. Yeah, because that hair as glass as Mr. Glass is the totally. greatest thing ever. And if I don't get another scene with him falling down the stairs oh. like he did in Breakable when he's ah ah, oh. ah ah just watching Samuel L. Jackson Robin Payne with a blowout afro is everything I need in my life. That is so specific. That is yes. very specific. <laughs> Did you see the pictures of him from, uh, from uh, Captain Marvel when he's got hair again? Yeah, with the little low, with the little I low brow. I like it. I, mean, I, like he looks, it. <laughs> I like that we're getting the Sam Jackson hairstyles. It's like the right? latter half of 2018 is going to be all about uh, Sam, Sam Jackson with hair. <laughs> totally. I'm digging it. So uh, number three, we've got DC Titans series. They cast Wonder Girl. So Connie Leslie is going to be playing Wonder Girl. Now, if you read Teen Titans, specifically in the 80s, the run that we talk about, Marv Wolfman, George Perez, that specific run, that's the Wonder Girl that I want to see. I'm hoping that that's what they're... It seems like at least the writers and Jeff Johns are pulling from some of those great classics from the 80s. Not saying that other things haven't happened with Titans in like 30 years, but I'm saying that's an iconic run. That the, when, when, when you hear like Kevin Feige, oh, we're pulling things from this, we're pulling from... They're usually pulling from certain things like, oh, this happened in the 60s. What happened in the 70s? What happened in the 80s? What happened in the 90s? This is that run of Teen Titans, and the the core characters are all from that run. That's why it makes me think, if they are pulling Wonder Girl in, that they're pulling from that run. What are your thoughts, Amy? I think that's very likely, and it it makes total sense. Like, there's... 
you you absolutely have to take into account the version of Titans that you sold a generation of kids on in the Teen Titans show. Mm-hmm. But you also have to take into account like the record-setting '80s like comic ones. And I would be really disappointed if Donna Troy weren't getting up in this thing somehow. Uh, so yeah, definitely. How about you, Jay? I agree. You have two different generations. That's gonna for me. That's the hardest part about this whole Titan series because they said it's gonna be darker. But then you have Teen Titans and currently running Teen Titans Go, which are both super lighthearted and fun and everything. But this whole darker elements, you know, and then the controversy about the set photos of how Beast Boy looks. Well, Starfire, when she put everybody on point, was like, this is in the comics. But mainly Beast Boy, because everybody's like, that's not the Beast Boy I know yet. He looks like he looks like tricks from Power Rangers Time Force. What is happening? But... <laughs> Well, even Starfire, too. I mean, I'm a huge Titans fan. And after getting people like Gamora and seeing different colored alien And I think that was the thing we all expected instantly. You know, we expected the oranges skin and yeah. whatnot. And so, but then when she put the dress up, everybody's like, okay, I get where you're going with the dress. And, of course, we don't know what they'll do in post right. with changing skin complexions and whatnot. Right. But to add Wonder Girl, is a, you're adding a lot of heroes to this. You're adding a lot of different elements. you got Hawk and Dove. you got the Doom Patrol. You've got the Titans themselves. We don't even know if it's going to be five Titans. We only know of four right now. Right. We only know of Robin, Stargirl, Stargirl Beast, and Raven. Right. We don't know if there's going to be possibly not a cyborg or right. whoever else may be. Right. So it's interesting to see where this is going. And also when they finally get a launch date, because they keep pushing it back. Every time you hear a date, it gets pushed back and it gets pushed back. Now they're just saying, it's coming out later this year. There isn't even a date anymore. Mm. Well, so, yeah. I mean, well, the pushback is because they don't know what's going on with their DCL access, whatever their, you know, their mm. pay-per-view, whatever the hell thing. They were talking about launching it two years ago, then last year, then we don't know. They don't know. We do know they're making Teen Titans or Titans. What, what do you think about Wonder Girl? I mean, I'm sorry, Robert. Well, look, again, I, I love Donna Troy. I mean, she was always one of my favorite characters. In, in the, and what was interesting about her character was she was married to a civilian, yep. you know, her husband Terry. And it was like the, these, these, these characters were, it was interesting to see a superheroine have a civilian life. And I always thought that was really a great thing because you don't see that much. You certainly didn't see that with Superman and Lois Lane yet back when, when Perez and, and Wolfman were doing that. And I, you know, the casting, I really like her as, as an actress. You know, it depends. I mean, again, it all comes down to how, how do these characters, how, what is the verisimilitude of this show going to be? Uh, when I saw the first pictures of Robin, I'm like, oh, I'm in. Right. But as the other reveals have happened, like with Beast Boy, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, mm. You know, it's, well, it's it's rough. It's rough. It's yeah, a hard. It's hard thing. to tell from. I'm hard never gonna. I'm hard never, to tell. That's why I'm still really behind excited. the scenes photos. Like you yeah. know, everybody's clowning on the girl who played Starfire. I'm like, look, you, it's a photo, and so you don't know what the character's her acting ability, what she's saying. Absolutely. So what if she's True. got a pink wig? I don't care. I mean, I, I, I like. I don't think the internet and the trolls who attacked her are worth any time or a dime no, to talk about. I agree with you. I, I do agree with you, but it's interesting. That we live in a time where superheroics, everyone's raising the bar. Right. We've seen the Berlanti DC shows, and they've done a pretty great job of, of casting and costumes and all of those things. Yeah. And so if you just use that as a baseline and nothing else, you know, they've got it. There's a, it's a tall order now. Maddie Ryan as like Constantine this. is so spot on. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's perfect you, cast. Like you almost forget for a second. You're like, you know, Keanu Reeves did this too. And you're like, no, just Maddie Reeves. Which, which actually reminds me back in the nineties, they were trying to make a Superman movie and they had different costumes. Check out this costume. So, so <laughs> for some reason, Superman lives this 
new test footage has been making the rounds again. And for someone who made the documentary with Holly Payne, The Death of Superman Lives, what happened? And this footage is in our movie, and our movie came out four years ago. And guess what? The footage we got had been on YouTube, this exact same footage, for literally almost a decade. And then, like, it gets, it runs. That's how the internet works. People, like, literally have about a memory span of a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then all sites included are, like, sort of like, I don't know, but someone else covered this. Look at this Superman Lives light-up footage. It's like, uh, from five, ten years ago? I mean, that's what I mean. It's on YouTube. This footage, that footage that you're looking at right there. But guess what? If you really want to learn about it, you can order the documentary, <laughs> The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened? It's uh, T-D-O-S-L-W-H.com. That's right. Full pimpage is in effect right now. Get the Blu-ray. You can get it. You can get eight hours of extra footage. Listen to Kevin Smith sweating it out. There's so much flavor in that, in that movie. Uh, you know, I directed it, produced it with Holly Payne. You should have seen it or bought it by now. T-D-O-S-L-W-H.com. That footage and more. Nick Cage in a Superman suit talking with Tim Burton. It's in the movie. So check it out. Worst and then maybe someone will, yeah, someone will see that footage and then start talking about it like it's brand new. Worst hair ever. Oh, you don't like it? Nicolas Cage's hair. You didn't like that long hair? Hell <laughs> no. The 90s were a dark time. What do you, so what do you guys, so quickly chime in because it made me laugh. The Superman lives. The test footage, just so people know, that wasn't his outfit. That was like his, when he, he gets killed by Doomsday, they were following the comic book. He gets thrown into like a Kryptonian neutrino bath or whatever mm-hmm. and gets revived and that's what that light up stuff is him like getting some Kryptonian codex flavor put back into him. He wears that outfit for a little bit. It's a Superman bioelectronic outfit, but it doesn't look like that. It's like a black suit with a little his little pal K, which he flew to Krypton with. I'm telling you way too much, man. Just see this documentary. Robert, what do you think about the light up suit? I, I look, I think it was cool. Robert's in the documentary, by the way. I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if I would want to have seen that on screen. You know, I, I think the greatest use of, of, of lightning or was in a movie that came out this past weekend. Oh, yeah. Lots of lightning, baby. Lots of lightning. What do you think, Amy? Uh, watch the movie. The movie's great. Uh, it, it's a really interesting look. It'll put things in context, and you can make your own decision about what you think about how that suit would have looked. Amy's talking about my film, The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened. It's available. Me and Holly Payne kick, kicked our own asses working on it for three years. Check it out, TDOSLWH.com. Check out that pimpage, Jay. All right, well, you already talked about it. You don't like that long hair? I didn't hair? like the hair, but also my thoughts were when I watched this movie years ago, who knew I'd be sitting here with two of the people in it? Yep. Who knew? Crazy. Name. I watched it because I was sitting there like, I was sitting there like, oh my God, they really tried to do this. And then watched the suit and everything and then watched everything that was going on. And then now, fast forward, you know, two years later. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, if I'd known you'd show my legs, I would not have worn shorts, <laughs> hey, a sport on. coat and shorts. I, look, I mean, you know, what was up with that? Everybody's so self-conscious. My favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes that Robert's in is when he's like, and then... And then he'd lift up this thing, and he'd say, "You want the, You want you want this? You want this?" It's like you got to see the movie. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse reveals villains at CinemaCon. That's right, Green Goblin, the Kingpin, and the Prowler are all going to be in, in the new animated movie that's coming out to fight Aquaman. You got Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse it's coming out in December. Oh, the movie so, to fight yeah. Aquaman. Sorry. I was like, wait, what? Aquaman, Waterman, <laughs> Waterman is in it as well. No, I'm just saying, it's like, they're like, look, we're going to drop that. Bam. So, Amy's face is like, huh? Wait. So my hang on How many dimensions are in this thing? There's, there's several dimensions. It's the Spider-Verse, but it's also the Water-Verse. <laughs> what do you guys think about them bringing in all three of those villains? Let's start with you, Amy. Well, 
normally I'm not excited when there's a lot of villains in something, but it seems very possible since this one is specifically about multiple dimensions that they can make this work. I imagine they will like, like I, I, I'm very excited to see Miles make his big screen debut. Uh, so we need the Prowler up in there. Uh, but like, I think you, I, I'm going to trust in the fact that like they're not doing sequelitis here because they right. don't have, they're not trying to one up some previous existing thing. They get to do this thing first time out and maybe they just want to cram in their versions of as many people as possible uh, and they'll just be different size roles and everything will be nicely divided. I'm, I'm choosing to trust. I certainly hope so. What do you think, Robert? Uh, you know, this movie to me looks so good. The the design, the artwork, the 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 colors they mm-hmm. use it. You know, it really. I'm really really excited. Probably more excited than I've been for any other animated film because it's going to be theatrically right. released. Right. And I've always wondered why haven't they done this before? Why haven't there been bigger budget theatrically released animated films about? So our beloved superheroes, like, well, Batman Lego counts. I well, think. well, I think, yeah. but I mean, serious, it, serious, you know, attempts at adapting what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing. Like, I would love. There's some. There are some storylines that they're never going to adapt. Well, maybe not. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe nothing is now uh, uh, impossible. But I, I'm deliriously excited for this movie. I don't know why. I just think it looks incredible. I oh, hope it's great. I agree with Robert. I wish they would do more theatrical release of the animated. The DC animated universe is amazing. Like, the DC animated movies are phenomenal. To see Miles with his gym shoes on and his little hoodie, I I can't tell you how excited I I am to see this one. The Prowler, cool. I want to see how the Green Goblin is going to look. You know, because we've had so many different variations. Yeah. From the Willem Dafoe to to James Franco to that abomination that Dane DeHaan was in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. So I'm interested to see that. You know, I wish we could have seen it at CinemaCon footage to know what he looks like. Kingpin, what type of Wilson Fisk are we getting? Are we getting old school cartoon, big belly, you know, Wilson Fisk? Are we going to get the Michael Clark Duncan Wilson Wilson Fisk? Or are we going to get the Vincent D'Onofrio type? You know, what type of kingpin are we getting? I'm excited for it regardless, but now my, my brain starts processing. What are we getting here? What are we getting there? What are we sure. getting here? What are we getting there? Well, my guess would be he's going to be maybe a little bit more of the old school kingpin because kingpin originally was Spider-Man's villain. It wasn't Daredevil's villain. Right. Um, speaking of uh, animated characters, Jason Momoa thinks that Will Arnett is the best Batman. <laughs> That's what he said. He's like, you know, he was asked, who's your favorite uh, cinematic Batman? And Aquaman himself said, Will Arnett. So, got to give out some love to Will Arnett because you got to give out some love to the Lego Batman movie. That was cheated at the Oscars. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, you know what? I mean, it's like, I I can't believe I even, I, I was like, I got to go see this Lego Batman movie. I didn't want to enjoy it. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I got teary-eyed. Some moments in that movie, like you really empathize with Zach Galifianakis' Joker. I mean, I feel, feel like everything about that movie was so much it was great. Batman. It was literally the bat, best Batman mm-hmm. movie made in years, and it was Lego Batman. It kind of irritates me a little bit that I have to say that, but it's true. The best Batman movie is Lego Batman. Weird that I have to say that. What are you guys' thoughts about Lego Batman and Will Arnett? I feel the same way you did. I loved it. I, I went in there going, okay. You know, Lego movies have been good. Yep. But but I didn't expect to love this movie. Is- Excuse me. Did you just call the Lego movie only good? Yeah, I'm going to need you to rephrase uh, okay, that, Okay, the Lego movie is very good. <laughs> okay, okay, thank but, you. But, but Lego Batman, I, I thought what was really interesting was tonally, it's hilarious. Mm. But it's still a good Batman movie. Right. Yeah. And that's not an easy thing to do. No. You know, that uh, sort of threading the needle of tone is, is, is very hard. And I know because it's a Lego film, they've already got a certain element 
that makes it easier to, to but but to make it a, a legitimate Batman movie within the context of it also being a Lego movie that's a feat but it's so endearing it's so funny and it pays homage to the entire history of all Batman. of Batman what are you thinking okay do I have this right that he told he said Will Arnett was his favorite Batman while currently on stage with Will Arnett I can't remember. I think, Maybe like, he did. Somebody oh. said Will Arnett was actually the moderator, which would mean that Jason Momoa is a cool dude who is nice to the people around him. Mm-hmm. And also, Will Arnett was a great Batman. <laughs> yes. But, like, don't go crazy with this. He's not dissing his castmate. He's just a cool, supportive dude who's like, you, yeah, you were you're fantastic. the best Batman. Yeah. Uh, you know, that could be true. Who knows? But also, Lego Batman was great. I agree. I don't hope, because everybody's going to be like, see, he was dissing Ben Affleck, and that's why Ben Affleck brothers wouldn't be Batman anymore. Like, no one wants to hear that. He was giving props yeah. to that man. Will Arnett was hilarious as Batman. Yeah. And heartbreaking. And yeah. Heart- and yeah, it was it, it was so much. <laughs> but it was like, did you get heartbreaking and hilarious with Christian Bale? No. Nope. Did you get funny and heartbreaking with Michael Keaton? No. I'll even mention George Clooney, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. But no, no. You know. Yeah. It wasn't bad. You got it all with bad Will nipples. Arnett. Uh, but but that was none his of, fault. Not his fault. Not his fault. True. <laughs> not his fault. But nonetheless, Will Arnett was a great Batman. Yeah. You know, he you was. can keep expounding on the Lego Batman universe. Yeah. I paid to go see it without my so kids. You, you know what? The, the, guy, the director is moving on to Dungeons and Dragons. Good on you, uh, Chris McKay. You know what? Heathen. It's a comic book series that's getting adapted for the feature film by Prime Universe. Got Adrian Azareff. Adrian Iscaria. Thank you. Adrian Iscaria. Thanks, Robert, for coming in. Couldn't pronounce his name. Written by Carrie Williamson. So this, uh, Amy has been talking about this comic book series for a while. I'm pretty sure we put it on our pull list at some point. Yes, you put it on. I didn't. She was like, I'm adding adding Heathen. I was like, I got to check this out. So Adrian... He's going to hook me up with a comic book, hopefully, if I get to say his name right. How do you say his name again? Adrian Iscaria. Adrian Iscaria. He was a, a, a producer of the Hitman movies. I know. Is I nailed it. Yeah. That sounds he, like he is not. Yeah. Well, he is. He's kind of a handsome, uh, debonair guy. He travels around the world. Yeah, he's, he made the first two Hitman movies. He's a big sweaty. Yeah, he's a Adrian big old sweaty. Um, he watches our show, so I know he's watching it right now. So, <laughs> Adrian Iscaria. That's right. So, um, his, his opinion on Star Trek The Motion Picture is garbage and worthless, but other than uh, that. <laughs> here we go. Pick and fight. You know how the comic books were coming? Like uh, they were going to be signed copies? All right, so Ooh, just, they just stuff. They just Amy, tell us about Heathen and why Heathen it's going to be awesome. is a fantastic independent comic uh, written and drawn by Natasha. I'm going to say Alterici, but I haven't checked how to pronounce your name. Very sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is published by Vault, a, a basically brand new publisher who've been doing some really interesting stuff. Um, like, I don't know who's backing them to be able to, like, kind of go hard with their early runs here, but, like, it's been really cool stuff. And it's this... It, it's it's a wonderful use of Norse mythology. Uh, it is a Viking outcast uh, because she's gay. Uh, so she, like, runs away and ends up involved in sort of, like, fighting the entire mythological power structure. It's just cool Viking shit. Uh, there's, like, a great scene with the, the two wolves uh, in issue two that you should check out. Uh, it's just fun and badass, and it'll be really interesting to see if they can actually make this movie. I'm I, so excited. I can't wait to read this comic, and then I'll be uh, waiting like all of us will be waiting. Let's move on. we got three left to hit. Watchmen, the HBO series that we've been talking so much about, gets a bizarre police officer character breakdown casting list is it a fake out? I mean, what I mean, there was like Paul Jones, a very distinguished, co- you know, police officer. And then, but you know, all these fake names. I mean, like what if to it me, is literally Pirate Jenny. I know. Yeah. Is, so I'm like, yo, it's a fake out. Anybody's reporting this as news. 
I don't believe it. I think it's like, you know, they're going to have all the regular names are going to be in there. There's definitely an expansion module pack, I'm sure, with this Watchmen series where they're like, we're going to take a little bit of that, uh, you know, green grass stuff. You know, some of the developments that have happened with the Watchmen movie that have never been made. I'm sure they were like, let's look at that portfolio of artwork that exists and take some of that stuff. Some of those ideas of making the Watchmen current where it's like, you know, a terrorist organization nowadays as opposed to back in the 80s, which was already mm-hmm. covered pretty well by Zack Snyder in that film. I don't need to see that done again. So I'm glad that they're not doing that again, or hopefully they're not doing that again. I'd like to see whatever they're doing with the HBO series to take place now, to, upda- to update the Watchmen to now. That's what I'd like to see because I don't need to see the same thing again. Plus, I already got the comic book, which I read every other, every other year. I reread the entire comic. Don't need to see that done as a as a series. Well, so. especially when when Donald Trump is president now, and in Watchmen, President Nixon was the president. Right. Yeah, yeah, the parallels and are too strong. Yeah, so. there's no reason to go back and do Nixon as the president. So, what do you guys think, Jay? Is, is this character breakdown real? <laughs> I'm looking at the breakdown right now. Uh, which one? Uh, looking Glass, a good looking cop, the native Oklahoma, is as simple as his rural accent makes him appear to be. A top interrogator and behavioral scientist, he may also be a bit of a sociopath. So is that Hooded Justice, or is it actually a new character? It's not a new character. I'm sure you're right. It's Hooded Justice. So Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> these breakdowns, I yeah. think they're swerving everybody <clears throat> because everybody's going to guess who's in it. And it's smart to let leak bogus casting announcements because the real ones will go to casting agents and whatnot and managers, and this way you can pull in talent without everybody knowing, oh, they're doing this until they want you to know. Right. They want to control the narrative of the film, the, the show, excuse me, in a sense. Sure. I, I certainly hope so, because all those character breakdowns were goofy and stupid. But it's like, if they're little clues, I'm you like, You want to hear Panda? No, I don't. Let's move on. <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about, we talk about that enough. I think, did, did Henry Cavill just re-up with Warner Brothers DC to continue being Superman? I certainly hope so, because I think Henry Cavill is a really good Superman. He got a chance in Man of Steel to start being, he was like the greatest American hero Superman, falling around, he got his ass beat by a bunch of Kryptonians, then he came forward and became Superman at the end of the movie, and then we got Batman v Superman, he's sullen, kind of, I don't want to be Superman. Why don't they love me, Lois? Kind of like frowny Superman. And then we got Justice League, mustache Superman. So mustache I want to see Henry Cavill get his sequel, just called Superman, call it Man of Steel, Man of Tomorrow. I don't care what you call it. He should get a sequel. But guess what? We've already heard he's in Shazam. It'd be smart to sprinkle him into Aquaman. It'd be smart to sprinkle him into Wonder Woman 2. I feel like if they re-upped him, he can be that glue that you're talking about. Jay, what do you think about Henry Cavill staying yeah. on as Superman? He's... I. I He's one of the better Supermans. We, we, we got a good Superman. Yeah. And let him be that glue. Because if he pops up in Wonder Woman 2, I think he'll be a young kid. So Di- uh, older Diana will run into a young Clark Kent. Right. And she won't know anything about it. But, yeah, of course he's got – he has to be a Shazam. He's been ta- – there is no reason him and the, the Rock were talking unless Black Adam and Superman are going to cross paths. Mm-hmm. So they're changing the glue because originally it was supposed to be Batman. And they're like, we don't know where we're going with that. So Wonder Woman could have been that connectivity. I don't know if they want to do that. But I think they're going to use Superman to be the glue to put everything together if all these films can work. Here's a cameo Superman here. Here's a cameo here. Here's a cameo there. 
So the problem with using Superman as a cameo is that anytime Superman shows up and then doesn't help out during the climax, you're going to be like, w- why, why isn't he helping? Uh, like, and that's, it's partly, it's comic book logic. We always need to believe in the current crisis and not get distracted wondering like where Iron Man is during right. somebody else's solo film. Right. But it might be a little bit harder if we've literally just seen him. So that, that's my only concern about using him as the glue. And, and what you said, like, I had similar thoughts with him hanging out with The Rock, but we don't think The, the Rock isn't in this Shazam movie, so I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, we just know he's uh, in Suicide Squad, too. It, like, <laughs> so, but but <laughs> on the other hand, am I excited to right. see more of Henry Cavill right. as Superman? Yes. Robert? Well, look, why shouldn't Superman... Shouldn't that... Weren't they thinking that when they made Man of Steel, that Superman should be the glue that holds the DC Universe together? Yeah. I would think so. Kind of like Tony Stark has been the character that's held the Marvel Cinematic Universe together in a strange sort of a way. But, yes, I would love to see that happen. I love Cavill as Superman. I think he's great. Yeah. I love his portrayal. He's been given the short shrift in two movies now. Let's, let's give him back the uh, spotlight. Well, we know he's going to be – well, we're pretty sure he's going to be in Shazam. Let's talk about that other Shazam for our last story, Captain Marvel, but it's the Marvel version. So we've seen her running around uh, – Brie Larson's running around. She's right next to a phone booth which actually existed in the 80s. So that's why I was like, these pictures, I don't know if you see the actual picture of her hanging out next to a phone booth. A lot of the kids watching the show was like, what's a phone booth? It's like, I know, <laughs> I know you were born with a cell phone. We didn't, didn't have to worry about quarters. I don't have enough quarters to ka-chink. Hang on a second, Mom. Ka-chink. If you've ever, ne- you've never had to deal with that. But Captain Marvel might have to. So what do you guys think about these behind-the-scenes pictures? It's shooting it right here in L.A. Haven't seen any of that, any of the setup yet. Hopefully I get to see some of this onset stuff at some point here in L.A. Captain Marvel and phone booths, what do you think, Jay? Well, from what I heard, they're shooting it by Fresno. Mm. But it's cool. It's the 90s. They're paying homage to all the 90s stuff. And I think these scenes, we don't know what, what interaction this is with her and Nick Fury. Right. So it could be the first time he's like, what, what are you doing? But I do like seeing her in the Kree suit, the Kree-inspired suit. Yes. I love I love it. A lot of people are like, well, what was that? It's the Kree-inspired suit. Yep. I love it. If that becomes the same iteration in the red, blue, and gold, mm. I'm fine with it. If yep. there's another version, I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm so excited about this movie regardless. Yeah, me too. I'm glad. I'm sick. That's a Kree suit. I'm sure that's what Jude Law is going to be wearing. What yep. do you think, Amy? I, I think y'all are right on the money. Uh, I, I love that. Like, it's going to be a lot of fun seeing all the 90s touches in this. Uh, and that is all the commentary I have at this time. All right, Robert, what do you think? <laughs> I just want to know if, if Captain Marvel is, is she a Pearl Jam girl or a Nirvana girl? I think she's Soundgarden, Because I don't baby. think you can, you know, you're <laughs> could Soundgarden. Be, could Black be. Hole Sun. But that's, I, I DJ Harvey. Well, that would be yeah. there. You go. Or you know, this she's would probably be, uh, flown close to one. This would be Jesus Christ pose era. So I don't know. So, <laughs> you know what? That's it for heroes. We've been talking about Soundgarden, Nirvana, Pearl Jam. Get your jam on and watch that spoiler special. It's going to be dropping in probably an hour after you watch this. So save that energy, son, because it's going to get sweaty in the house. The spoiler special. We're going to talk about if anywhere if you've seen it, which you probably did, because half of the planet have seen it. So. Definitely watch our spoiler special. We're going to talk about everything that happened. What did it mean? What is it probably going to mean for Avengers 4 and beyond? And just get into it because it's such an amazing film. We can't stop talking about it when we're not talking about where we can't talk about it, like on this show, because this is a non-spoiler show. 240, you've been watching Heroes. Uh, Definitely subscribe to us on our podcast. If you're in your car, you can get that podcast one. Get us on iTunes. It's available now. You don't have to look at us, which you should be looking at us because we're all beautiful people. But if you can't and you're in your car, (laughs) listen to us on that podcast bullshit. See you later. Bye. Get out of here.
What's up, sweaties? It's John Schnapp here. Thanks for watching this episode of Collider Heroes. If you want to watch more episodes of Collider Heroes, you can click on any of these right here for more awesome shows from Collider. You can see comic book shopping. You can subscribe. Share this video. Share our videos. Tell your friends about it. Thanks for watching. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.